0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Modern Romantic Podcast featuring Bob Mayer and Jenny Kruse, New York Times bestselling authors. I invite you to join us as well on our Monday night live streams or our occasional Sunday live streams. We stream on Monday evenings and Sunday, typically in the afternoon, and you can come and join us for free. We stream on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and Twitch. Um, and you can be part of our audience and interact with us and our guest as well. So join us sometime. Meanwhile, please enjoy this episode.
1: Hello and welcome to the Modern Romantic Podcast, where we celebrate romanticism through passionate people doing incredible things. Hi, I'm keeping the memories of you safe inside my heart. I am Trey. And I'm joined by my co-host, Emily. Hi, Emily.
0: Hi, I just <laughs> I do not have anything quite that awesome to uh to compare with that. So I apologize. Um I was gonna say that I'm a hitman based on this book, like number one best selling book of Jenny and Buffs, but no, thank you for ruining it. <laughs> You're so welcome. Sorry. What a great intro. Let me start over. Hi, I'm Emily and i hope that i hope that you had a chance to dance in a field of daisies today oh i like that thank you you're so mean, <laughs> you're
1: so mean. <laughs> i'm so rude I'm um and wouldn't you know it i woke up at 3 a.m this morning uh so there's that Did you? uh wow. I, I really did um yeah, we'll get into that a little bit later, um, but we have some incredible people that we've been chatting backstage with, who are honestly keeping me in stitches. Uh, they are fantastic. Uh, Emily, would you do the honor of in- introducing our fantastic guests this evening?
0: Absolutely. We have a writing duo—people um, you may have heard about. We have um, Bob Mayer and Jenny Kruse, um authors, New York best, uh, New York best-selling, uh, New York Times bestselling authors. I'll get it right. Um welcome to the show, you guys. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Oh, we're oh for having us. Absolutely.
2: that's what Bob looks like when he's thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> um
1: so one thing that really intrigued me right off the bat, um, as we were reading your biographies, um, Jenny, you in particular um had a line in there. That I would like to ask you kind of right off the bat, because I have a very concerned boyfriend upstairs who read that and went, "I've got to know." <laughs> you wrote a you were about to write a dissertation on the the ways in which men and women tell stories. Yes. And he, my very concerned boyfriend wants to know what are the differences between the ways men yes. and women tell story?
2: So this only lasts an hour, right? <laughs> um, ask me about my dissertation I can you know basically um, it shifts okay well I was writing that in the 1980s mm-hmm. so gender roles have changed dramatically but I actually still think it's true because when I started writing with Bob the same thing happened and it's basically I was doing a lot of research in the way they actually tell men and women tell stories they're speaking you know you get home and say what happened this day and the other person gives the story of the day Mm -hmm. and the classic one was you know she says what happened today and he says oh i ran into john he's getting married and she says and and he says and what and she said well who's he marrying is she nice where's the wedding when's the wedding gonna be what do they want how long were they together what details? yeah details and he says no you don't understand he met her and they're getting married and that's what happened when bob and i started writing in that bob is a very clear thinker and when he thinks up a story or when he did back when we met he would say here's the beginning and there's the end and that's where i'm going that end and he would write straight to it and I don't write in chronological order. I think, oh, this is cool. This is... And I told him the best example I could give was the two of us standing at the edge of a field
0: okay. tied
2: together. Mm-hmm. And he says, at the other end of that field is a post. And that's where we're going. And he starts out striding toward it. And I go, oh, look, there's a butterfly. And I drag him off the plane and collect the butterfly. And then we take another few steps and I say, oh, look, there's a flower. And I go get the flower. So what would be a straight line is a zigzag all the way across. But because we're tied together, we actually get across the field. Without him, I never get out of the field. I'm just collecting details. And with me, he gets a lot of details i don't know whether he wanted them but he gets <laughs> so the two of us balance each other and that was pretty much what a lot of my dissertation was on it was obviously a little more complicated than that because they accepted right <laughs> the proposal but it was funny how much the two of us played out exactly what happened
0: right so bob would you agree with this
3: i think when we started out it was like that um yeah. Now it's actually reversed, I think. Um, she's constantly <laughs> emailing me going, what happens next? And I'm like, I have no idea uh, because I've changed my writing style. I used to have yeah. uh, outlines and you know all sorts of things. And now I think I'm just a intuitive writer. I go with stream of consciousness. I, I, I trust my instincts after 30 some odd years that I'm planting things in the stories for a reason. I may not consciously know why. Mm-hmm. but they're there for a reason and then later on i gotta figure out the reason she keeps asking me what's the reason and i'm like i don't know yet it'll it'll come to us yeah. uh, but i think that's true of men and women i mean I, my wife constantly you know i'm always like lead with the headline you know she starts telling a story and i'm going i'm getting like yes and and, and what's what is the punchline line here tell, tell me the headline and then you can fill it and that just doesn't work that is a, a profound difference between men and women yeah
0: yes yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of people that would agree that with that, for sure. When we first started writing,
2: I remember he said, so I have these spreadsheets. This is how I plot. He said, how do you plot? I said, I make big collages, you know, and I glue pictures and words, and that way I can. And I realized later he makes spreadsheets because he needs to see the details. Mm-hmm. He would literally put all the details in the spreadsheet so he knew everything. And I make collages because I can get the details, but until I see them put together in one big picture, Mm -hmm. I can't see the whole of the story. So we were working on that way back then. But he's right. We've both moved toward the middle.
3: Yeah. I don't don't do details well. I mean, I literally always joke that if, you know, and it's true, my wife wants to hide something from me in the fridge, she just has to put it behind something. (laughs) <laughs> anything I and mean, she gets so frustrated with me sometimes you like don't you remember with this or that i'm like now she's gotten to the point where she says like right, today go get the rake it's in the garage on the left wall a <laughs> specific rate you know and it's just like sometimes i'm like what do you think i'm stupid she's like no i know you're going to come back and go i can't find the rake
0: that's funny there... so... go ahead Trey. sorry
1: actually i forgot where i was going to go i started my statement and then i completely forgot okay. sorry go ahead
0: yeah so i imagine that the people that follow you and the people that know you and your writing may already know this but um bob you have a, quite a cool and interesting history with your military career um can you tell us a little about that
3: um well i grew up in new york city uh, in the bronx and i went to west Point. point uh, four years there Then I went into the infantry, and from the infantry, I volunteered for special forces. I did that for a number of years in active duty and reserves. Um, I started writing, actually, living in South Korea. Um, Nothing else to do there except study martial arts. Um, I I put the military in a lot of my writing because, you know, the infamous write what you know. Um, I'm a big believer in that. Sometimes it's a little dangerous that you know it too well. You can get bogged down in the details. Um, So I think everybody does that. I could, I started out in military thrillers. I still write them. Uh, Mine are a little different than other people's thrillers. Uh, I've written every, pretty much every genre, science fiction, romance with Jenny, historical fiction, nonfiction. Uh, People don't know what to expect. What's his next book going to be? Who knows? It's whatever I feel like writing, pretty much.
0: Besides actual content, do you think your experience at West Point and beyond has helped your writing? or at least your approach
3: to it? Well, it gives you focus. I mean, the writing I did in the military was uh, not a PhD. It was very good. Di- I wrote the Gettysburg Staff Walk, you know, how did Battle of Gettysburg Evolved. I used to write operations orders, deploying 15 Special Forces 18 to different places around the world, uh, forward operating base procedures, um, all sorts of things. So it makes you, it does make you understand you have to explain things to people not go for the lowest common denominator, but you got to make sure they really understand what you're talking about. And one of the things we did a lot in special forces was called intent. Why are we doing this? Not just this is what we need to do. What we would explain to them: this is why you need to do it because that allows you to innovate. Hmm. Uh, if you explain why, yeah.
1: And I think that's that's in and of itself like a really good part of adult learning, which is explaining that why behind something. Kind of goes back to your dissertation, Jenny, where. Um, if you just give the the headlines of things that might grab their attention, but then they're looking for a little bit of those details behind it and they're looking for the what's in it for me, the the yes. why behind it, why should I care? And
2: well, actually on dissertations, not so much. Everybody knows you're just writing it to get out. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> when you're when you're writing anything to teach anybody something, you have to say, okay, this is what's behind it. This is the effect of it. This is why you should do this or shouldn't do this. Here's the theory. So in that way, we're the same. I hope
1: so.
0: Uh, Jenny, and then your history was you were a teacher. Yes. And then what happened after that? (laughs) (laughs) Bob?
2: (laughs) No, I I was an art teacher for like 10 years. My my first degree was art which shows up a lot in. And then I went back for my master's degree in English and taught English for five years, high school English. And then I decided I wanted a PhD. I already, I, I had all the work for my MFA done. I have two masters. Um, And I went back for the PhD and the head of the writing department stopped me in the hall and said, I hear you're published. Um, He was this big guy, like a marathon man, you know, the, the, cowboy and I was kind of cowering before him and I said I'm published by Harlequin expecting him to spit on me and he said I don't care who you're published by you should be in the MFA program so he dragged me out of the PhD program and into the MFA program and the first day I was convinced that I'd get stoned because I'm a romance writer writing for Harlequin and he stood up in front of the class this was Lee K. Abbott great teacher he said, anybody who makes fun of romance is making fun of Jane Austen. And anybody who makes fun of Jane Austen answers to me. And everybody was, okay. I adored that man. I mean, he was great. And a great teacher, too. So even though I was already published, he really taught me to write. And then I went on to take other classes. But after that, I was just a romance writer. I just wrote. It was great. I didn't have to put on pantyhose. Hell, no, I didn't have to put on clothes. It was great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How, what a wonderful thing to say, though. I like that line. If anybody has a problem with romance, and they, now you're talking about Jane Austen, which is interesting because yeah. I bet a lot of people don't think about it that way.
2: Well, it, romance has been, and it's, it's part of the... I'll get on a hobby horse here. It's part of the whole thing. Anything women do is not as good as, you know, we're going to pay teachers less. We're going to pay nurses less and so on. And the romance genre is the most popular romance in the world. It makes a ton of money for publishers, which they use to support other genres. Because, you know, it's just us little little women sitting at home making stuff up. <laughs> so, I can get hostile about that, but I won't. <laughs> And another good thing about Bob, by the way, is he has never felt that way. He has never once patronized me
3: because I wrote romance. Other things, but not that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of other things, but I'm grateful he's not, you know, sneering at me because of romance.
1: I mean, I think romance, um, and I, I will admit that I've been fairly victim to that too. Like I'd look at the cover of a romance novel and kind of just, Cock my head to the side for one second, never picked it up, never opened it. So I think it's one of those cases of you can judge a book by its cover, but to write a really effective romance, like um, going back to Jane Austen for a second, writing a really good romance can be so page turning and in the way that you write your characters and in the way that they develop that romance with each other that I think it can dispel a lot of those preconceived ideas of things um so i will admit i i understand i have had prejudices against romance novels before but uh, i will persevere in the promoting of romance novels
0: that's good because my next suggestion for us as a project was going to be to write a romance novel together <laughs>
1: Uh, Okay, when do we start? Uh, What are the characters' names? How do they fall in love? Uh, What's a plot line? What's a through line?
0: Well, what? You can start your spreadsheet and I will start my collage.
1: (laughs) Okay, I like this plan. (laughs) So
0: you guys have been writing together on and off for a while. And um, one of your better... um, Of your better-selling books, what do you think it is about you guys and your writing that, that makes such a great bestseller?
3: Because I think uh, we bring a lot of experience, um, especially these new books. Um, I mean, we got over 60 years of of publishing experience. I've written over 80 books. Jen's written 40 to 50 books. Um, You know, we instinctively know what's right. I think the other thing is we um, compromise on everything. we, We'll fight about things, but then eventually one of us will back off and say, you know, um, yeah, you're right or whatever. And we can tell when someone really, really wants something. Plus, we also a lot of we get a lot of feedback. You know, somebody will say, you know, I gave this book to my husband to read because he never reads. He doesn't like romance or this and that. And you've got all the action and you've got all the manly man stuff, you know, um, which like an Agnes of the Hitman, you know, he was a hitman. Um, I wrote the sequels that I call Phoebe and uh, Shane and the Hit Woman, where I flipped the, um, the characters and made the woman the hit person. But I think it's a lot of action. I bring a lot of action. I, I've read, you know, sometimes I'll look at what Jenny writes, and I'm like, yeah, and is anything going to happen here? Or is, are we just, you know, going to have these two people sitting in the ether chatting with each other? So now she does that to me a lot. She'll she'll bring, uh, she'll say to me, Bob, you know, your characters are just standing around talking. And be kind of looking at you're telling me this, but she's right. I mean, I I tend to do that a lot. more. We have flipped a lot of things. Uh, We had uh, our last book came out, I think in 2009, 2010. So we've had over a decade since the last book. And when we hit Lavender's Blue, Rest in Pink and One of a Million comes out tomorrow, we wrote those three books in less than a year. And it flew because we just were back and forth, back and forth, back with the characters. Once we set the characters, which we're doing now for the next series, um, the plots just grow. They they grow out of the the characters and the setting. All the people who say they really like Bernie, the town um, that these first books are set in, they're really going to like the next series, Rocky Start, because Jenny doesn't like it, but I pitch it as uh, the movie Red set in a small town in the Appalachian Mountains where a bunch of retired spies and assassins and All sorts live there. Um, And we're having a lot of fun with that and the characters.
1: Yeah. I think that's been one of the things of like the collaboration. Um, There's been a lot of things that Emily does now that I've started to pick up on. And I think there are things that I used to do that Emily kind of picks up on. So we are starting to like balance each other out quite a bit. Uh, We do have a. We do have a question from Alien Girl on YouTube asking uh, that she just started reading romance again after a multi-year break. Um, do you feel like fans still want the marriage proposal by the end of the book or a series, or do you think that's changed?
3: Um, you have to get to one of a million tomorrow because uh, the characters, this is, this is also different. We have a three-book arc. Uh, pre- three previous books were standalones. Uh, you could read any of them. There were no crossover in setting or character, but these three books are the same two characters, which for a romance, Jenny had a hard, that's where she has a hard time with. There has to be steps in the romance and we answer that question um, at the end of One in Vermillion. and I, We're really interested to see what people say, you know. I, I don't want to give a spoiler, but I don't think it's going to be quite your traditional happily ever after um, experience that People expect because the characters are very different. You got to give what's real for the characters. Um, And our two characters are not the type that are going to, uh, well, I don't want to say much more about that because I'll give it away. But we actually do think we will go back to these books to Bernie, to um, uh, Liz Danger, and Vance Cooper and have more books. So that gives you an idea where their romance stands at the end of the book.
0: Okay. Um, it sounds like it's a great day to be an Australian in Australia because it's a day ahead there and the book is yeah. out.
3: I did the romance writers conference in Australia. God, 2012, I think it was a long time ago. What um, made Bob and Jenny first begin writing together, we literally got off the same plane. We, I was teaching at the Maori writers conference for a number of years. And I think my third, fourth year there, we literally got off the same plane together. Um, She was up in first class, of course. I was in the cargo bay. Uh, Then they scheduled us to teach next door to each other. And I would um, go into her classroom before she would start. And I'd say, OK, Jenny and I decided to switch today. And she would panic because she's a teacher with all the course notes. And then one day, she said, "Uh, well, you would be interested in writing together. I want to write a book about a food critic. Um, And I said, I want to write a book about a hitman. And we ended up with Don't Look Down, which was our first book together. and it worked pretty well. We were a traditional publishing then. Um, and then Agnes and the Hitman, which most people really, really like. Oh, she's back, Here she is. And I just told them how we started writing together in Maui, uh, what we agreed <laughs> on. And, uh, and then uh, we did the third book. And then since we were traditional publishing, the numbers were what the publisher wanted and we each went our separate ways. And then she sent me um, a, a partial of Lavender's Blue and I really liked Liz Danger. And we took that, and we ran with it.
2: I sent it to him and said, please save me. I can't get to the end of this. I hadn't finished a book in over 10 years. Started a lot of them, but couldn't finish. And he charged in like a green beret and made the book so much better. His take on Vince was so much better than mine.
0: That is really a cool balance you guys have.
3: (laughs) Well, I think we're older and wiser. <laughs> yeah. We are yeah. seasoned. That's the word I'm looking for. We're seasoned.
2: Well, we also don't ever want to do what we did before. <laughs> I don't want to fight like that
3: again, ever. <laughs> so. Well, but I think our life, Jenny just moved. My my life's a lot more stable than it was 10 years ago, so that helps a lot. Sure. Yeah. You- I'm
2: sitting in of a bunch of boxes right here, and my Wi-Fi goes in and out because I just moved here and haven't mastered it yet. So. Yeah.
0: When you get an idea for a new story or a new book, where does that typically come from? Are you both inspired by similar things then, or are you both very different when it comes to that? Do you want to talk?
2: No, you go ahead. I've been talking. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I've been talking. Um, well, with Liz Danger, I I started that 12 years ago. I have no idea where I got the idea now. I don't have a long-term memory here. Um, but once Bob came in, I told him I wanted to, trilogy because the problem with writing romance is you've only got a hundred thousand words and it takes a long time to convince people that this is a mature relationship that's going to last so I said we can do three mysteries but I'm going to arc the romance over all three books so we we did Liz Danger and then we we plotted I had the titles I think I don't remember what but we plotted the rest of it together but the inspiration for those books came up from what we'd already set up in the first one and then we have just started a new trilogy and Bob came in and said, I want to do this. And I thought, cool idea. Let's do that. So I don't know where, oh, you were, we both like the movie Red. So while this isn't like the movie Red, it is about old, older spies and the one we're working on now. And we'll do a trilogy on that too. So whatever we set up in this one will inspire the next two and then we'll do something else generally we I remember when we were starting Agnes he said who do you want to write about and I said I want to write about a food writer because I have a cousin who was food editor for the LA Times I figured I could go to him for everything he said she I said well you want to write about and he said a hitman and I thought a hitman and a food writer. This is going but it's actually good that they're that far apart because there's a tension in that. I did call Russ at one point, my cousin Russ Parsons, and I said, "Okay, we're writing this book and there's a food writer and somebody's coming to kill her. Why would that be?" And he said, "Jenny, we don't do that. So <laughs> we don't
0: kill people, Jenny. <laughs>
2: we don't kill people. We're nice we eat. <laughs> we feed people." So, But that was basically a lot of it is he picks a guy and I pick a girl. And we kind of go from there. Whatever you want to write about.
0: Do you ever put yourselves to some degree in those characters?
3: (laughs) Yeah. 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 I I think so. I think, you know, but you, you, you change it. Uh, sure once you start getting into the character and you you know their background they're they're different than you are they have to be different
2: right and they're in different situations in there but i just remember when we were writing lavender just we were just about finished with it and remember you emailed me and said we shouldn't put by bob mayer and jennifer cruzi on the front we should as played by bob Mayer and jennifer (laughs) cruzi because we channeled so much of who we were into it um and I think when you write, you you do that. You don't always write who you are, but I think your values infuse the characters because you want them to be likable and you want them to be honest. And so you're not going to write somebody that who betrays your values or you sure. wouldn't have lunch with, basically.
0: Hmm. Is there some kind of vulnerability with giving away too much that might be of yourself? So like... I'm just, I'm just guessing like, I don't want this character to be too much like me because then people will know too much about me.
2: <laughs> no, you really, you really can't because you have to be honest on the page. I remember my first book, which was a million years ago, The heroine was having my midlife crisis. You know, she was in her thirties. She was worried about her body. She was, she was doing all the stuff I was. So in the next book, I thought, this heroine is not going to have a, she's going to be confident. It's going to be fine. And I wrote the book and it came out and I read it. And the hero was having my midlife crisis. I mean, your, your ideas and your, your obsessions seep in anyway, if you're being
3: honest on the page.
2: Bob, okay. you want to disagree?
3: I don't really, I don't worry. I always joke uh, that people always always, well, what happens if my mother reads the book? And I'm like, first you got to write the book. Then you got to get published. Then she has to read the book. And then she has to recognize herself in the book. If you put her in there, she won't recognize herself because people. So uh, a lot of times, you know, it, we worry too much about that. You just write what, what's real. Your, your character has to feel real. And readers have to empathize with your character.
2: Yes. I have a mother reading story, if you want to.
1: Oh, please. Yes.
2: Mother said she had read every one of my books, every word. And then I was invited home to my hometown of Wapakoneta uh, to speak to a local group. And one of the women in the group didn't want me to speak because there's oral sex in my books. And my mother found out that she didn't want me to speak, and she was so upset. And she said, why wouldn't she want you there? And I said, because there's oral sex in my books. And my mother said, there's oral there sex in your books. Yes, yeah, she read every word.
0: You got her. Wow. <laughs>
3: Oh, what a way to boy. give
0: yourself away, mom. Now,
3: Maybe she just I...
0: didn't understand. <laughs> oh, please. I'm sorry. I would not <laughs> assume that your mother wouldn't understand that. I, I didn't mean to. No, I, like that. That. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to give her the benefit of the doubt.
2: <laughs> no, no. She's just, her pants were on fire. There was nothing else she could do.
1: <laughs> I I love the concept of like you write what's honest to the page and honest to the characters. Um, Like, we were just watching, uh, my boyfriend and I were re-watching the uh, Star Wars Next Generation, the series from the 90s, and we hit an episode where there's a captain in there who is such a stark difference from Captain Picard, and that entire episode, I just kept saying, I don't like this guy. I don't like this guy. I don't like this guy. I want him to get yeeted out of out into space. Like he's so unlikable. But then I had that realization about halfway in of the character is meant to be a betrayal to the original values that we've been set up for by Picard and what we've grown to love of Picard. So I think it was a great writing ploy to go, these are two foils, both very, like we know who these people are in our real life but we also know what our values are and can speak to that. Um, so it can be used to such great, great storytelling.
2: But you have to be careful of the expectation. What was kneecapping you in the beginning was that you didn't expect that. And while that's good in a way, because you do want reversals as you go through, Mm-hmm. if they have presented it so that you feel you were supposed to like that guy and you can't that throws you out of the story so you have to you have to give the reader clues not necessarily this person is scum but maybe don't touch you know don't trust this person don't there's there's something a little wrong here and it can be just little tiny things but you do have to set that up and it's particularly important romance because you have something called the romance contract which is fairly soon in a romance the reader needs to know who the guy is and who the girl is because that's the romance they're going to to root for and if you have two different love interests which seems like such a good idea conflict what's going to happen is the reader is going to choose one of them and when the romance gets to the end, and that's not the one the heroine chooses. There's going to be a major, major disconnect, and and readers get really upset about that. I did that once, so I can I can tell you, don't do that.
0: Do you have any other shared movie favorites that might be inspiring for new work, or just inspiring both of you? Do you share other movies besides Red? I don't think we have.
3: I have used um, westerns in our books that she's never shane um searchers high noon comes into play we never actually cover that in the books where yeah. uh, i think in one of Vermillion there's a scene where he's vince is thinking you know i don't want to tell her about this movie because then i'm going to have to watch one of her movies you know yeah he's just not in the mood for it that day
2: he, he hasn't watched the old romantic comedies and yeah. i haven't watched the old westerns but we actually put that in there for that there have been things that from our partnership that we put in there. And one in Vermillion, one of the less admired characters says, you know what, we need to do this on a whiteboard, which is what I do every, I mean, he makes fun of me for the whiteboard all the time. Um, So he stuck that in there and I actually did the same thing for him for something else, but (laughs) we don't need to talk about that. But every now and then, yes, there's some some context inside the books where you can go, oh yeah, they weren't getting along there.
1: You you both have mentioned before how you kind of adopted elements of each other's writing. Are you in a place where you could maybe like phantom write for the other person and your readers wouldn't notice? Or are there still differences where someone could go, Jimmy actually wrote this or Bob actually wrote this?
3: I think our voices are really distinct, aren't you? I think so. I mean, I think that people can tell a difference. Like when I wrote, um, Shane and the Hit Woman, it's very different from Agnes and the Hitman because it's missing Jenny's um, touch on it. And so the character Phoebe, Jenny wouldn't write Phoebe the way she wrote it. Phoebe's very manlike. She's very, she's uh, she's a, a hit woman. So she's there's, not, there's yeah. not very much um, sensitivity in it. Uh, one thing I love that Jenny does is what I call banter. I love her banter scenes where characters and you know, everybody's just talking. She does dialogue really good. Um, I'm not big on dialogue. You just do what you need to do. Uh, We have helped each other a lot. I think our our styles are closer together, but I I couldn't, it wouldn't be the same product.
2: When I sometimes we have to write scenes in the other person's viewpoint. And at that Mm -hmm. point, I always send it back to him and say, you're going to have to butch this up because, you know, this isn't Vince, this isn't Max, this isn't what. But this is the one to have happen. So this is, you know, if you agree with this, then put it in your voice. Bob actually has a really formal voice, and I have an extremely informal voice. And so, and I don't think we're ever going to be able to just fake each other. It's right. just not. But, um, actually, on my blog, and I don't remember what the name of the post was, there was a place where I said, okay, Bob wrote this scene in Liz's point of view and he sent it to me and said here you know make this Liz's and I put his scene up and I put the one I rewrote in Liz's voice so you could you could see the difference um, and it's not that the scene changes that much or the it's just the, the language and it, it's really important in this one because we're writing them in both first person. So when you read Liz's scenes, you're reading her thoughts and she's actually talking to you. And when you're reading Vince's scenes, he, you know, and it's it's so I think it's one of the strengths of the partnership that when you move from one to the next, the voice is really different.
0: Do you think of your own character names for the characters you're writing for? Like, Bob, do you think of the guy characters names and vice versa?
3: I think for this, you had Vince, didn't you?
2: Uh, I had been sitting there. I told you you could change the name, but you said it was okay. It
3: worked um, for the new series, uh, Max Ready. Um, <laughs> that's a real name from somebody I served with. Uh, he was a he was a crazy man. Uh, it just sounds cool. Yeah. Uh, on the board though. No. Names really have to feel. Uh, I will say we disagreed on. Uh, I still have a hard time pronouncing it, and, and, and anemone. Anemone, I'm, I, I just tripped over that every time I read it. We had a big fight I, about that, and I surrendered. It's in there, but I just had problems with it.
2: There's a place in the first chapter where she tells you how to pronounce it.
3: <laughs> I think of the C thing. I'm, I, I didn't think of it, you know. And that's just where my brain yeah, the C
2: thing still pronounced anemone
3: <laughs> too. There's just things I can't pronounce. My wife makes fun of me, like the Spanish Armada. I always get that wrong. up for the Bronx. I, I can't say it. It's not Armada? I, I get it garbled up all the time. Oh.
2: Well, I never make fun of you. Oh, yeah.
0: Right. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> I'm a good person. <laughs> um. One comment from the chat is one of the things I love about the Liz Danger books is how immediately you know those whose point of view each chapter is in, and you'd know even if the name wasn't at the top of the chapter.
2: Oh, hi, Leon. How you doing? She's from the blog.
3: Oh,
0: she's wonderful.
3: Um, I think that's true, but there's we have written each other's characters and scenes with them, and that's kind of interesting sometimes. When, um we kind of get the character because we you know we've read the other person writing the character um I think where it can get dangerous is if I mean you got Jenny got really upset when I had a minor character um in a bar scene do something that I thought was really cool yeah yeah She just went no you can't do that that makes this character look like an idiot I'm like I thought it was pretty cool. <laughs> I violated the character. And that's one thing we, we accept. If one person says no, you're violating my character, that's it. You can't do that. She
2: was a she was a very sophisticated architect and she just went bananas in this bar and started beating people up. And I went, What the hell? Yeah, that's well, we've been a long way. we there was
0: But you have this rule that you won't violate each other's characters.
2: Oh, absolutely. Do you have any other rules like that? That's the big one. Whatever he wants for Vince, he gets. He knows Vince's character.
3: I think we fight about things and we fight about them. And what ends up happening is one one of us finally accepts, I think the other person really means this. And I don't care as much about it as the other person does. So they're more right than I am.
2: There are a lot of, this is not a hill I'm going to die on. Yeah. We say that a lot. When we, Discuss it heatedly. We have to explain it to each other. And I think that helps tremendously. Yeah, if explain it, you could
3: realize, oh, wait, maybe I'm wrong. Wait, and I think wait, we're better yeah. at that than we were when we first collaborated. I think I listen a lot more to the explanation before my immediate reaction. No, oh, that's stupid. I'm not going to do that. I go, wait a second. And eventually, as we explain it, we both sort of come to an understanding.
2: And a lot of times we move closer together. I was telling them before we started about the Russian You know, I moved the Russian and you said no. And here's why. You were very kind and explained exactly why I was being an idiot. And at the end, I thought, you know, he's right. (laughs) Damn it. And I moved it. But um, moved it back. But I was thinking in the beginning, we had had a little more problems. And I remember when the first time we were writing a sex scene, which Bob refused to do.
0: Yeah, he uh, just he said, I
2: don't do this. Yucky emotional <laughs> crap. Okay. That's not true. He wrote one in Rocky Start. Um, I remember. No, but he, I said, okay, I'll write it. And I said, okay, now I need to know what your guy is wearing. And he said, I don't know what I'm wearing. He can wear anything you want. And I said, no, no, closer character. So we, you know, it, it was hysterical. I mean, the guy had a garrote in his belt and a knife on his, you know, and I'm going through this laughing. Pretty sure. My girl is also hysterical as she's peeling these clothes off and finding all these questions. <laughs> this was the very first book we wrote. I finally said, you know, he's not really helping. He's not enthusiastic here at all. What's wrong with him? And Bob said, well, they're about to go on a mission and we never thought about sex before a mission. And I said, then why is he getting naked with my girl? And he said, I will never forget this. Well, he knows she needs it, so he's going to take one for the team. Works for me. No, you're smarter than that. Now you would never take. I swear to, to God, team. I almost went to Savannah. Oh. And-
0: <laughs> this is
2: what—that's how bad it was in the beginning. Now we sit down and talk, and it's—it's it's fine. We haven't had another moment like that, but. <laughs>
1: i I think back to like the dynamic that's happening here. I think back to the sessions that I have with my current Dungeons and Dragons um, team. And I bring up that for a reason of storytelling, because anything that the characters do, it's always a a conversation and a balance between the game master or the person who's like orchestrating this narrative, and then the player characters who get quite a bit of autonomy with their characters but there are consequences there within. And so when characters make choices, it really kind of impacts how other people perceive it. Be like, he wouldn't do that. Like, why are you doing that? He wouldn't do that. And you're sitting, having these conversations with five other people, um, all at a singular table. And now that my current session has hit about, I, I don't know, we've hit about nine or 10 sessions we've started to really dive into the characters and really get a nice feel for things. So it's amazing to me in storytelling when you get a lot of different personalities that how much conflict there is at the beginning and then you start to go, okay, I see how this works together. And then it starts to become a much more of a mesh versus a battle.
2: And it's so much easier too because you really do... It took us a while to get through Liz, but once the first one, Lavender, but then the second two went like the wind and I, it takes me forever to write anything. And I kept looking back going, why did we do that so fast? Because we did all the setup in Lavender. We didn't have to reinvent anything. And that makes it so much easier. Somebody on the um, feed here just said, oh my God, I just realized the stuffed bear behind Bob is the same as the tiny Vince bear in the new trilogy. <laughs> oh, so wow. that's good.
3: That- yeah. <laughs> That's Vince Bear. So That's
2: for Vince
0: bear. for yeah. anyone who hasn't read the new trilogy, trilogy, tell us about the bear.
3: Oh, uh, Vince Bear, you tell. <laughs> we've got Vince Bear. We got Big Red Bear. We had a big fight about Big Red Bear. We had a big fight
2: about, it. and no, the Big Red Bear is not in my room. The Big Red Bear is six foot tall, and I'm yeah. living in a fairly small place. Um, his, the, there's a mother in the story that has developed a, a, a thing about bears, and she has almost 400 of them. It's Liz's mother, and she has to do something with the bears. And then there's a scene later on where her mother gives her one and says, this is a Vince bear. It looks like Vince. Um, so that's why I sent him that one. It's actually a, a Vermont teddy bear bear. It's discontinued. Okay. Hold on to that. It's rare and precious.
0: Is that a, you have those little sunglasses on it?
2: Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
3: He's cool.
0: Yeah, he's cool.
2: <laughs> he's got a tattoo, too. Our
3: mom. Oh. What?
2: He's got a hat. That's mom.
0: He's got like a little white t-shirt and black pants oh. and he's he's oh. a cool-looking bear. Oh. oh. it says oh. love. Oh, it, oh. it says little I mom.
3: What in the book says, mom?
2: Oh. oh, that's right. Yeah. Well, it should say love because I based it on that bear, but you know, details. Yeah. <laughs> right.
1: Uh, one thing I did uh, that we were seeing as part of our research was that uh, you, Jenny, Bob, and Jen Talty Talty uh, began Cool Guest Publishing uh, at first to reissue your backlist, but then you yes. created uh, right it. Yes. At-
2: yeah that's that's bob that's not me
1: Oh, okay sorry um and that you created write it forward which helps writers become hybrid writers uh can you tell us a little bit more about how that works
3: uh when indie publishing started back in 2010 11 i I started i had the rights back to a lot of my backlist so i just started that company to uh, get those books out that went for a couple years and then um Business-wise, it made no sense to do other people, and I just went off on my own. Um, so that whole phase, that's, I don't know, that's eight years gone. Uh, I've been doing that. I've been doing, working by myself until Jenny and I started working together.
0: So
2: and I said, help, and he rushed in and <laughs> saved the book. I,
0: I love that you put it that way. That's well, it's what happened.
2: I've been trying to finish that book for well over 10 years. And I, we talked to the email just in general. And I said, okay, I can't get to the end of this. I've got so many words and I can't get to the end. And he said, well, send it to me. And I did and waited for him to come back and say, you know, you cannot plot for <laughs> <laughs> And instead, he came back with some really good things. And I thought, you know, Vince is his guy. Yeah, you know he's ex-military. He can make it. I said, uh, Bob, you know, just off the top of my head, would you please write Vince and help me get to the end of this book? And he was even after I said it's going to be three books, you're going to have to write three books with me. He said, Yeah, yeah, we can do that. So he saved me. It's that green beret thing.
0: Do you, Bob? Do you find that like? How do I put this? You have military experience, and you use that in your books do you find that like because technology is constantly changing and other policies and maybe policy is not the right word but maybe other things change over time in the military do you find yourself having to go back and like read like how it is done now maybe or things like that do you have to keep up on certain things to
3: keep know i'm not I'm not a technology guy or a whiz bang or what's the latest gadget or gizmo and all that. Um, to me, it's more about the mindset and okay. special forces. We had a very unique mindset and that hasn't changed. Uh, we were very different from the rest of the army. So I try to bring that across. Vince actually is not special forces. He's a ranger. Okay. And we used to always joke that the N in ranger stands for knowledge. Um, so I, and I had rangers come to my team. Um, special forces team in the range battalion. Best light infantry in the world, but yeah, better than SEALs, which might get me in trouble. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so I just tried to get his straightforward mentality, but that was tempered by a constant uh, swirl of deployments. Um, so I'm more more—I'm not concerned about the technology or the gadgets or the guns or the airplanes or any of that stuff. I like, I just want to have the right mindset. Okay.
2: Interesting. I think that's one of the things that makes his guys so compelling. Well, it's, first of all, they have just excellent values. They're just they're ordinary men, but they're honest and they're hardworking and they believe in the truth. And you know, you just want to be with them. They're just good guys. And then when you get into the stuff that I can't do, you know, guns. Bob does know what he's talking about. Sure. When I kill somebody, they fall off of something high because, you know, I don't have to get into it. But Bob will say, oh yeah, that was a glock, whatever.
3: Well, a lot of it we do write from personal experience. I mean, I'm sure. noticing my thing in the back, the, the crest there and the team in the picture. And in uh, Lavender's Blue, I have a character, Dave, and my team sergeant's name was Dave. And a similar thing happened to him that happens to, to Dave in the story. Um, so I think there's a part of me that wants to get those stories out there about how some of these guys have been affected by things. Sure.
0: Yeah. So I'll just real quick. Someone in the chat said gravity is a great killer. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I've always thought so. It's not the it's not the jump that kills you. It's the landing when you parachute. Right. It jump's fine, but it's when you hit the ground.
2: Right. The fall's gonna kill you. <laughs> <laughs> what were you gonna ask,
0: Trey?
1: i need to compose myself first
0: (laughs) okay so i have a question yeah it's a sudden stop at the end how do you like you have a lot of output with the books you all the writing and like uh jenny you said you have a lot of unfinished material like that's a lot of output how do you fuel yourself to be able to create output like do you read other books do you other than the movie you read
2: (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's not like that. If I could quit writing, I would. It's really hard, she whined. But (laughs) after every book, except for the ones I write with Bob, because he won't let me quit. um, After every book, there's always that moment of, I, I I won't have to do this again. But then you get this idea, and God knows where they come from. And all of a sudden, these people are talking in your head, and you have to get them out of there. So I that's why I don't write in chronological order. I just write down whatever the people in my head are saying at the moment. And eventually I look at it and go, you know, I think this is a story. This might be a novel. And then, you you know, you're stuck. And, of course, I have a total mess. And that's when I go to Bob and say, you know, I don't really have a plot. And he sends back a one-word email that says, sigh. <laughs> I
0: don't really have a plot. Those seem like dangerous words.
2: <laughs> well, like I said, I have 10 books I haven't finished because I don't know. Right. But oh my God, they're wonderful.
1: Tom Blomquist, when we had him on the, the podcast, said something similar of like just characters talking in his head and just had to get them out. Whether he yeah. had the full story or not, just had to get it out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Writers can't not write. So what about you, Bob? Do you fuel yourself somehow? your mental
3: i write what interests me um if I'd been really career oriented I would have continued writing military thrillers forever you know early in my career they're like oh the next Tom Clancy and I was like I don't want to be you know the next Tom Clancy I don't want to uh I got a little tired of writing them I wanted to do something different um I think it's interesting one thing I've noticed is writers don't retire very few writers hang up their spurs comic writers retire if you think about it, Far Side, you know, um, oh,
0: yeah.
3: they retire. And I, re- I started, I've been thinking about it. And I realized because they have to do an idea every day. We have to do a story. There's a lot of stories out there. Ideas are really hard. I think right. that's, that's stressful. But no, I just love to, I can't view, I can't consider, I don't even think I'd ever want to retire. I mean, I just, especially when like, you get in the flow, but it is. It's Hold really, on to that thought, because I'm not writing without you again. It's so much
2: fun. Because, well, first yeah. of all, I know it's hard to believe, but we never talk. We, this is the first time I've heard his voice, like I said, in years. Um, we do it all in emails, So we're zapping these emails back and forth. And we got this great program that actually takes our emails and puts it so it looks like it's a chat. Oh, nice.
0: So we can go mm-hmm.
2: really fast back and forth. And we're both very fast typers. So chat I chat
3: think- for um, Lavender's Blue was 600,000 words. <laughs> when we, I pulled all the emails out. I mean, that's other stuff. But it's the background. That's what
2: those were, Sigh.
3: Yeah. But a lot of it, too, was this character, that character. Um, yes, someone asked, they should be published. We're considering that. I mean, we've edited it down, of course. But we have been thinking about that. We have them in the document. I mean, how it took me like three days to pull them all out of the. Program and put them into a Word document, it was huge. Wow, uh, there's a lot of fluff in there, but there's also a lot of really good discussions about it. There's a lot of plot lines that didn't happen. What there's we're doing, and then, didn't happen. Yes. um, I mean, the book, the final version of a book, is very different from the original version of the book.
0: Someone asked 600,000 words with or without zombies.
3: Irish with pirate zombies, zombies. a lot of discussion about Irish pirate zombies. Uh, reanimated big red beer, bear. He
2: so had a lot of, and uh, the reanimated bear, people uh, are so asking. thinking
3: about writing those scenes um, to do once, once some, one in Vermillion's out, uh, to do the reanimated re- big red bear version. You'll change it. Yeah, it, that's
2: yours. <laughs> somebody in here said, which one of you is the diner? Aficionado, and that's me. You oh, even okay. go to diners? Nah. I don't go out. I love diners.
1: Right, Jenny, you're going to the best diner that's out there. You're going to your favorite diner. What's your order?
2: This is my first time?
1: No, you've been to this diner. Oh, uh, okay. this This is your regular spot. This is your favorite spot to go. What's your order?
2: It depends. If I'm depressed, it'll be something with gravy and mashed potatoes. Um, if I'm celebrating, it's going to be a classic burger, Uh, you know, it just, just depends. If I go to a diner that often, I know their entire, you know, menu. So I know which one to go. There was a great diner in the place that I just moved from and they had eggs Benedict. I mean, you know, when you really need a charge, you go in and get eggs Benedict. It was so good. It was a great diner in Newton, New Jersey. The Hampton Diner. You should go there and have the eggs benedict. Right. And I'd send Bob pictures. Go, oh yeah, yeah, food. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> and then he sends me pictures of guns and I go, Oh, that's nice. <laughs> <You know? laughs>
0: we have our passions.
2: <laughs> I put a pink gun in vermilion and I actually sent him a picture of it. So okay, found this on the internet. This is anemone's gun. And he wrote back and said, No, it's not. And went out and found his own pink gun. So He's the gun guy I'm gonna fight
1: like if you have any diner recommendations that sells incredible either pecan pie or chocolate cream pie let me know sorry oh. Don't
0: get me. no
1: okay <laughs> I will persevere
0: uh, Deborah on Facebook said I've seen the outtakes from the chats and they're pretty hysterical and Jenny does the best food porn
2: <laughs> <laughs> we should note that Deb's a good friend of mine. So oh. she's not just a, a rando out there. She's uh, she actually knows me pretty well.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, we want to see some of these outtakes from the chats now, but that's that's they're on the blog. They're on
2: the blog. Oh, okay. Been, now and then I put up a post that says state of the collaboration and I I we just reproduce the the chat from the That's fun. <laughs> I just want them to understand what it's like working with Bob. (laughs) Because he's great at plotting and he's a really terrific collaborator. But every now and then he goes off on these, like he knows it drives me crazy when he says, we got to put zombies in this book. No, we
0: don't. I'm not just a rando, Debra (laughs) said. I'm Jenny's rando.
2: Sure, baby. I love that. Um, No, but we... I think it helps to see how we work as friends. Mm-hmm. I think that clears up a lot of things because we do give each other a lot of crap. <laughs> but it's always fun. It's like a, a, it's like banter in a book. You don't want to say something insulting and you don't want to shut the conversation down. You're just batting it back and forth like a ping pong ball. And I think it's also a way for us to relax to to take it because there are times when we're working both of us and it's just so intense and then bob brings up zombies and i think oh here we go
0: um someone zoe on facebook said i know that jenny often finds concrete props that she writes from like vince the bear um does bob also like having props
3: not really i mean i a lot of things i write about i've experienced like it and vince has a gladiator i have a gladiator i I'm going to go in a couple of weeks out west, and I live out at the back of it. The only time I go to civilizations to get gas. Um, I do make my field mocha, um, fire up the old <laughs> stove in the back, put some hot chocolate in with some instant coffee. Um, but now I, I don't. I don't need the tangible things. That, like Jenny said, those are the details which I lack, and she fills in. I, I can see the big picture of the book in my head. Thank God, because I feel it's on. And what I do now is for details, I keep looking back on what was written previously and try to draw uh, something out of what we subconsciously put into the story to use it again.
2: I do send him pictures of the stuff I'm using, and I I think he looks at them, but
3: he's never really I mean, Some it. of them, I think we each have a vision in our heads, and sometimes we get pretty close on it. Um, you know, we, it does help to both have the same vision of who the characters are.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good focus.
2: We negotiate on a lot of it too. I mean, you know, if I put something in and he goes, "No, that's not quite right," we we go back and forth. But basically, I'm visual and he's tactical.
0: If someone wanted to get into doing what you do, writing, even as a duo, <laughs> he's shaking his head already. <laughs> No. Let's start with the collaboration. Both of you are shaking your head.
2: (laughs) The problem is, I know collaborations that have collapsed because they said, I know what'll happen. I'll do all the research and you'll do all the writing, which sounds like a fair division. I actually know a collaboration that crashed because of this because eventually the writer woke up and said, Why am I doing nine tenths of the work? Because it's the the writing. Um, I know another one that collapsed because. Half of the writing duo kept saying, no, you can't do that. And your guy is going to do this. And the the person writing the guy said, you're emasculating my, you know, my character. And she said, I don't care. This is the way this is going to go. And that one collapsed on itself, too. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of what works for Bob and me, besides a lot of history, um, I do my girl. He does his guy. We respect that. There's a definite boundary there. He says, no, he would not do that. He's not going to do that. I back off. And the same thing with with my girl. And because of that, the two most important characters to us in the book are safe. We know nothing's going to, you know, we're not going to be forced to do anything. And then we negotiate everything. And actually, the negotiations are pretty interesting because we have to talk about plot and why things happen. And when we're doing that, a lot of new stuff comes up. So the working back and forth actually makes the book better. And then we we rewrite. you know, we go back and say, okay, this part is moving slow. And we talk about what, so it's actually fun. It's like playing a game. And the really great stuff is I only write half a book because I'll be writing along and Bob say, okay, here's my next scene. And I'll go, Oh, this is cool. And I didn't have to write it. This is cool.
0: (laughs) Well, I love that you're, you found this, way to collaborate that works in a magical way that obviously readers everywhere are affected in a positive way from it by it and also like it makes sense everybody's like yeah i love that it exists in the way it exists and it works for both of you it works for everybody and yeah. so you've got this dream team thing happening and i think that's fabulous
2: well, not for everybody, because there's always somebody who goes in, comes in, and says, "I don't understand why he's writing with this woman." But you know, you—it's always somebody who comes there's, up yeah, with
0: that. You can't make everybody happy. I was going to say, I think a lot of it
2: is just the fact that we both have had success in solo careers, mm-hmm. so we're not trying to prove anything anymore. We, you know, I got the career stuff out of my system a long time ago. And so now we just get together and say, okay, what's really cool about this book? And this is, this is going to be so great. I love the one we're writing right now. We've just got the first one in the trilogy, the, the truck draft done. And it's so different and it's so off the wall. And it's just like anything can happen in this book. I'm having the best time with it. And we're going to write two more set with these characters in this. And that's just so much fun. I'm really excited.
1: And see, that's what I love, like doing episodes like this. And when you're both clearly passionate about that work, um, you know, the the, the tremendous Bob. reaction from Bob, the tremendous reaction from Bob and the elation from Jenny. But it's clear, <laughs> the it's so clear how much passion and how much energy you have. And then to also look over at our chat feed over over here and see how many people are commenting and tuning in and loving your works as well. I think it speaks... Volumes of how much you've accomplished.
2: Well, actually, <laughs> I'm so, like I said, Deb's one of my best friends, and Marcy Smith, who's in there, that's my niece. I think you've got to realize <laughs> I rallied the troops. Before you we did. Got-
0: Look at that. That's awesome. I love that you're being supported. Hi, Maria. So, uh, Debbie asked, um, what is. The- Uh, Oh, you've collaborated with other authors and Bob has too. Maybe Bob has too? I think it was...
2: You never cheated on me. (laughs) Um, I collaborated with other romance authors. Okay. And they were female. And we did the same thing. We each put our own characters in there. That we, We had like three sisters or three friends or whatever. Um... And that was fun. It was a lot of fun writing with other romance writers because there were a lot of things we could shorthand. But with Bob, he knows stuff I don't know. Sure. And he can do stuff that I can't do in the, in the story. And he comes up with things that I would never have thought of. And when you're writing with... You know, other romance writers, and I loved all the writers I wrote with. They were all great, but they were me. You know, we are all came from the same tradition. We were all writing the same genre. And, you know, Bob comes in and starts shooting people. And I'm going, oh, that's that's new. I don't know. <laughs> um, it was just exciting with right. Bob.
0: And it's still a whole, Yeah, a whole nother flavor and element to, to that game.
2: And it's in my I mean, I'm writing Liz Danger, and then all of a sudden Vince shows up, and he's fantastic, and he's doing stuff I would never have dreamed of. And it's just, like, I wrote the first chapter of Liz a long time ago where he picks her up for speeding, and it was okay. And Bob rewrote it, and he stops her for speeding and then tells her her back wheel is wobbling because the lug nuts have fallen off and he gets lug nuts out of the car and goes back and fixes her wheel. That's genius. I would never have thought of that. That's just brilliant on so many levels. So that's the kind of thing where I I like the first scene, but once he got his hands on it, it was great.
1: And it's that like other perspective of things. I think I've sent a couple of things to Emily before, um, just like ideas for things or like concepts of, of like a project that I'm working on. And anytime I get like a returned response from it, I'm like, Oh, I like this. How do I make this happen? How do I do this? Oh, I don't have time. Uh, Uh, but it's, it's getting that other perspective of something to make you realize, how can I make this better? And it nine times out of ten with especially with Emily, it is better. Oh,
2: thank you. Definitely. It's definitely better with Bob. Even with the freaking zombies. (laughs) (laughs) I actually offered to write a zombie book with him and he said, No, I don't. He just wants to use it to torture me.
0: (laughs) Would you agree with that,
3: Bob? Yeah. I think they're the stupidest things ever <laughs> It makes no sense to me I'm, so I'm just messing with
1: her Well Bob I do have a question oh sorry Jenny no go ahead uh Bob I do have a question for you uh since we mentioned Jane Austen earlier um have you ever read Pride Prejudice and Zombies no
3: oh,
0: darn. it's a movie too Pride Prejudice. Pride
3: and
2: Prejudice
0: <laughs> and Zombies is um, a trip
3: mm-hmm. I would imagine
0: Yeah, it's, it, it lives up to its name <laughs> we're not going to write that <laughs> no don't
1: don't, <laughs> don't do that please don't.
0: Right. so back to my question which was um, if, if someone was getting started writing and they wanted to oh, yeah. maybe write a book for publishing or just oh. you know to write do you have any advice or any Anything you would say to someone just starting out?
2: Well, first of all, you have to know why you're writing a book. If the voices are in your head, if this story is so compelling, if you have to get it on the page, then just sit down and write it because that's what you've got to do. But a lot of people start off by asking, well, how do I get an agent? How much money do you get first? And it's like, honey, that is so far down the road. Yeah. Finish the book. You can sell a finished book a lot more, a lot faster than you can sell. An idea, anyway, in the beginning, um, but just the people who want the book signings don't want book signings. Book signings are awful. Um, oh, really? The people who want book signings and the the you know the fame and money I get, but that's you gotta really need to tell this story, even if it's the only story you ever tell. And if you don't start with that, I think you're screwed into the get-go.
3: Robert, would you like to? Yeah, I agree. I think too many people think about publishing. That's not the issue. It's a story. you got to tell it. If you're thinking about publishing, you're starting in the wrong direction. Um, It's the same thing we used to say, do you want to wear a Green Beret? Do you want to be a Green Beret? It's two totally separate issues. Yeah. You know, um, tell the story. The rest will come after that, but don't put the business end. Forget about that. Don't even think about that.
0: Yeah, Jenny told us before the show started that 84% of people say, I'm going to write a book someday or something like that. Was that it? Yeah, something like that. So, yeah. And then that's part of why I asked too, because so many people have had some interest in doing such a thing and maybe never get it off the ground. So this is some... Well, the other thing advice. you have to remember is that writing is not publishing. Yes, correct. You can
2: totally. write wonderful, wonderful books and... and Publishing just means make it public, and one of the great things about being a writer right now is indie publishing because you can publish it without a publisher. Right, you don't need the gatekeeper. You won't get the promotion and the you know the widespread attention, but it's it's just an incredibly free time. We self publish these these novels, and I can't believe what a difference it's made. I mean, I'm not throwing up, you know, at publication time anymore. (laughs) Stress is, you know, so much of the stress is gone. Bob's not going to make me do a book tour. Um, And I should say at this point, my publisher, St. Martin's Press, always treated me like a queen. They were wonderful. I'm not complaining about that. It's just publishing at a game is insane. Absolutely insane. The, the, The saying about it is that publishing isn't a business, it's a casino. Because every time you put a book out there, you're rolling the dice, and you have no idea what's going to happen. And let me tell you, that's not good for you as a writer, because you start second-guessing yourself. And then if you write, say, six romantic comedies, they expect your seventh one to be a romantic comedy, too. And maybe you just wanted to write a ghost story this time. So, you know, there's all that kind of pressure. But when you're self-publishing, you can do anything you want, as long as your partner knows how to self-publish because i don't bob does all the work he does every oh. bit of the work and he won't let me help so when you <laughs> get <that> part, <laughs> one in a vermilion one in vermilion where Viz won't let liz help renovate the that's
0: bob but he's doing such an amazing job
2: he is doing an amazing job yeah and i really don't need any extra work but i do need him <laughs> to know how much i appreciate it because he's spending hours and hours weeks on it
0: well, i think he knows now
2: mm-hmm. I've, I've thanked him many times yeah okay good
1: my my one question because bob has talked about um writing in different styles and you've mentioned like writing six books in one style then then you want to do something different how can a writer prevent themselves from being landlocked like that or typecast
3: well, Twenty Two. <laughs> I remember talking to Sue Grafton about that and she was just so frustrated writing to Kinsey Mahone over and over and over again and how irate her fans would get if she changed anything about yeah. Kinsey. Give her a different haircut, people go bonkers. And that's the nice thing about indie publishing. We can write anything we want. We have no publisher looking at us going, we want another you know, Liz Danger, we want another Agnes in the Hitman. It's like, nah, let's do this. Yeah, we
2: ran into that when we were, we did shop Liz around first mm-hmm. and, you know, people would say, no, we don't want a collaboration. Um, I had a, I have another book that's finished that hasn't been published. It got turned down because it was a supernatural. Nobody wants a supernatural from Jennifer Cruz. So part of that, it's a, like Bob said, it's a catch 22. On the one hand, once you've got a brand as she's great at romantic comedy, people will buy you for romantic comedy. But when you get to the point where you're, just not feeling funny and you want to write a ghost story then they turn on you so it's the whole branding thing is a double-edged sword but if you want to
0: make a ton of money
2: you know write romantic comedy it's very popular (laughs) (laughs)
0: um a couple of things from the chat mac and on youtube says just so you know cbs are following the chat and we are so excited that the two of you are writing together again (laughs)
2: cbs are the cherry bombs they were our fan group back when we first started writing we had a a blog called he wrote she wrote and we would fight on the blog and they you know pitch in and and they were wonderful i mean we'd get like 300 comments because they'd all be talking among themselves um they named themselves after our logo which the cherry Bombs. yeah but they're great they've been with us a long time so it's very nice to see you again McBee. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and then zoe on facebook said jenny i know you've had several other books you've started have you ever considered inviting bob in on those books too or- oh
2: hell yes i send them to him and he goes, uh-huh and sends them back
3: <laughs> well jenny doesn't know this this is the first time she's finding it out but i've been rewriting uh, arresting anna I oh really through- yeah I've, re- I've gone through it all the entire thing i have a plot i think it could be a really good novella i love that book but it's it's really going. If we do it, is going to be so over the top, not based in reality. But it's funny. I mean, that's that's why I got into Lavender. I really like the character and Arresting Anna. I love the. It, it's just hilarious.
2: It so, was pretty over the top when I sent it to you. She shot somebody in a garage.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's that's, that's all there. And now I have a plot. let loop Ooh. It. But funny, it's, Yeah, it, it's not going to be a entire novel, I don't think, but it can be a really good novella.
2: You know, um, that's part of a three book series, and I had the other two started. And you know, I sent them to you. You weren't real enthusiastic, but I'm sure we can work something out. I would love to get those
3: books out. Well, at least uh, if, I don't know what did you write the other two.
2: I started them. One of them was stealing Nadine, and the other one was haunting Alice.
3: Uh, I don't know anything about those. So, but I, arresting great. Anna, I can. I already know the ending. So.
2: Oh, that's good because I didn't have a clue. Well, this, oh, is, this is so amazing. exciting.
0: This is amazing. Yeah. And the chat's going a little nuts about it too. Um <laughs> I I'm I can't keep up. Let's see. Oh there's Zoe. Hi Zoe. <laughs> it's uh and then Maria on Facebook said your last ghost story was one of your best books. It's one of my favorites.
2: I always thought it was. It was my version of the turn of the screw. I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> she said, oh, no, Please no, finish it.
0: <laughs> Please finish all your books. Well, you know, maybe that's uh, that's something for the supernatural one, too.
2: He's not big on supernatural. Oh,
0: okay. No?
2: I did send him Nita, which is the one. It's the devil in Nita Dodd. And I, it's finished. And I sent it to him and said, people say this has really bad problems. And he looked at it and said, yeah, this has problems. And I thought, <laughs> and? It's totally different.
3: That's a whole different genre and ball game it would require okay. a different
0: kind of work yeah sure well everybody's it just, saying it was brilliant your ghost story
2: <laughs> ah well a lot of the people from the blog have also read large chunks of nita because i work out chapters or scenes on there so i'll put up a scene they've they've read a ton of i think they've read all of the rest resting anna the stuff i sent you and they give me great feedback they're very honest
0: that's very nice. So, what a cool relationship well, to have with your audience.
2: Yeah, I don't actually think of them as audiences or fans or anything. They're really friends. We've been together That's a long time.
0: Wonderful. <laughs> I love that even more.
2: Oh, oh there's Deb on there. Do it, Bob. Yes. <laughs> Do it,
1: it has been spoken by Deborah, so it shall be.
0: <laughs> She's going to force it. Uh, She's. So don't mess with her. <laughs> How do you sift through a lot of the conflicting opinions you know, on the, with your friends on the blog? A lot of it is just natural reaction. You look at something and think, Oh, that's brilliant. Or
2: no, no, that's not my book. Bob?
3: I got you. Actually,
2: he hates it when I ask for opinions.
3: <laughs> yeah. I, I don't take too much beta, beta reader opinion. Um, if they all agree, I, I told Jenna the other day, you know, she could read 100 reviews, 99 are positive, but that one negative one or the one that's it. That's the one she focuses on. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that's well,
2: as, where as a flaw might be. It's not that I'm sitting there going, oh, my God, it's all over. It's like, OK, why did what trip this reader? And sometimes I mean, you read the things on Amazon and somebody says, well, the language in this was just upsetting. And you think, yeah, you're not my reader and move right on. But it's there have been times they said things that I thought, "Ooh." That was not good.
0: Well, and it's interesting because, and I've heard people talk about this too, because you can have, you can post something on social media or you can, you know, put something out there and you get 200 comments that are like, way to go. This is awesome. Go you. And then you get one that's like, why did you use red? Or why did you, why did you do it this way? And, or, yeah, no, I hate it. And then that's the one comment you're going to hyper focus on because it wasn't what the other people were saying and that that can be a little toxic for you to hyper focus on that. And so
2: but those are two different comments you just said, like, why did you use red? I should be able to explain that.
0: Yeah, I guess I meant I it in it a negative way. I, yeah. I don't know
2: who you are and I wouldn't have lunch with you. I don't care what you say.
0: <laughs> Good. Okay. Good for you. <laughs>
1: it's a how do i phrase this in my corporate job we have an opportunity for like our end users to do a lot of surveys back to us and so we also get star ratings and reviews and i cannot tell you how many people have left things like oh this sucks this is terrible and that's all that they say and what i've what I have had to vocalize to some of these individuals leaving comments is leave me actionable feedback. Don't just tell me it sucked. Tell me why, why did it, you know, what about it did you take issue with so that I can maybe work on that for the next thing and make an improvement on that. Your opinion matters to me. So why not help me by informing me about what was impactful to your experience?
2: A lot of times, the people who leave those comments though don't know.
3: One thing that's been know, really know. nice is we had no clue how readers would react to these books. Um, yes, yeah. and we were really pleased. I think, and we still are. Um, stunned, absolutely. Stunned. Yeah, I mean, it's been—it's exceeded my expectations. The reaction from readers.
2: Now I'm terrified because Vermillion comes out tomorrow and I'm thinking, well, but they don't like it. We did two good ones and so they're going to hate the third one. Oh, oh my God. God. I don't know. So, we, yeah. we have
0: <laughs> that's, someone... that's a very
2: comforting job. I'm sure it's going to be amazing. Well, we have some, like, you know, there are some people in this chat who were um, copy editing and beta readers, but they don't tend to tell us we suck. They're, you know, kind of <laughs> friends. So. Right, right it's not well, until the great naked unwashed publisher comes out like <laughs> posting on goodreads on amazon
0: <laughs> uh, maria who is currently reading it said no Mer- vermilion is brilliant
2: yes maria is also a friend you gotta realize <laughs> i really salted the crowd here
0: <laughs> i love it though
1: um well, this is now our our opportunity to start a GoFundMe to send Jenny and Bob to the same diner in the same town uh, to have a nice meal together.
2: <laughs> no, no, you don't understand. As Bob said once, we should never be in the same zip code. It's best we just type.
1: Okay, <laughs> well then we'll set up like a Zoom call where you're both at a diner and you're both there in my separate we states. Go.
2: Yes, and do that. Do you go to diners, Bob? He Bob doesn't could leave be the house, remember? <laughs> Bob will be eating at his desk and I will be in a diner. Okay.
1: We'll just cater for Bob and yeah. then we'll make we'll get you to a diner. You go. <laughs> um Jenny and Bob, this has been an incredible time talking to you both. It is so clear that you're passionate about the work that you do and That you can riff on each other very easily, but it's all in such good fun and it shows how much you both are truly friends. And thank you so much for spending time with us today.
2: Oh, thanks. Oh, this was fun. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. We learned a lot of new stuff. Like, you're going to finish arresting Anna.
0: Yeah. A wonderful thing to drop in this episode. That's wonderful. (laughs) I guess you guys have a lot to talk about then. Oh, by
2: the way, I still haven't finished you again. Um I can
3: fix that too.
0: Yeah. Okay, good. Good, good, good. Things to look forward to for everyone. And also, um, everybody should go check out the book that drops tomorrow in the US and perhaps most of the rest of the world. I don't know. One in Vermillion. This is the Liz Danger book number three. Yep.
3: Yeah. And
0: and please love it.
2: Please, because oh, please love it. I'm a heart patient. You know, I really can't take much more. Of all <laughs> <Because> the reasons. <laughs> hey, guilt is a good motivator. But Bob's a heart patient, too. Um,
0: go give really? it a positive review on, on Amazon and Goodreads and everywhere else. Please. Because, and he's so pathetic, you know. Just to, <laughs> do it, do it because, because you love both Mm-hmm. Or the book. It would be good if you like. Well, book. that too, of course. <laughs> well,
2: Zoe says she thinks it's stronger than worse than pink. I love you, Ooh. Zoe.
1: Ooh. Yes. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as this episode comes to a close here, uh, this episode, along with probably every other podcast, will be uh, dedicated to Joe Capone, our moderator, fellow comedian, passionate encourager, and greatly missed friend. You can find us pretty much wherever you tune into podcasts. For updates, announcements, and more, please follow us on social media under Modern Romantic. Thank you, everybody. And go have a giant six-foot-tall red bear day.
0: (laughs) Thanks for coming, everybody.
1: Thank you. Good night. Bye.
0: Hello, it's Emily, the host and creator of the Modern Romantic podcast. I just wanted to interrupt really quickly to say thank you so much for your support. Thank you for being here. Thank you for the likes and comments and follows. Thank you for sharing with your friends and family and fellow artists and your positive reviews on podcast platforms are not lost on us. We see every one. So we appreciate you and thank you again for joining us.